we lived on a farm with like mm -hmm. chickens and horses and we literally bet our farm on this. We took a second mortgage on everything, SBA loans, used every available ounce of credit and savings that we had and just, you know, rolled the dice on this. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guests are Aaron and Julie Menetoff, the founders of Bordery. From their beginnings running a gourmet catering company in Palm Beach, Florida, to their innovative pivot during the pandemic, Aaron and Julie's journey is a testament to resilience. Their company, Bordery, delivers artfully crafted cheese and charcuterie boards that are shipped overnight to arrive fresh and ready to serve nationwide. In this episode, we chat about the highs and lows of their first few years in business and how going on Shark Tank and making a deal with Lori Grenier impacted their company. As a power couple in both business and life, Aaron and Julie also give insight into building a relationship as entrepreneurs. Let's get into the show. Thank you both for joining me on the podcast. I'm excited to chat with both of you today. And I want to start with some context on your career background and how you got into your first business of catering. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. We've both been in uh, hospitality and restaurants our entire lives. Uh, I grew up in a town called Newton, Massachusetts and worked in all kinds of places like bagel shops. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, Julie grew up Portland, Oregon, and I also worked in hotels, restaurants, the whole gamut of different different businesses such as that. And then I uh, I went to University of Michigan in Ann Arbor and studied something completely different in uh, psychology and communications. And uh, but I worked in restaurants and I really loved it and I enjoyed it. And then uh, Julie went on to uh, Florida. I was going to school at the University of Oregon and then did the Disney World College program moved to Florida and just loved it here and decided to stay. And then I ended up uh, moving to New York and doing some corporate stuff that I absolutely hated. And I totally missed the hustle and bustle and the fast pace of the restaurant business. And uh, I moved to Florida to go to Florida Culinary Institute. And while I was going to school uh, for food and beverage management and um, culinary arts, I lived in an equestrian community and it was called Wellington, Florida. And it's the winter equestrian capital of the world. 18,000 horses ship in during the winter from all over the world to play at the highest levels of English horse sports like polo, dressage. So I knew a lot of the people and they, when they knew I was in um, culinary school, they asked me to cater their parties. So I started it out of my house or my apartment doing these small little catering things and it kind of, it grew. Got it. Now at one point and how did Julie enter the business and your life? There was an RFP for the International Polo Club, which is the biggest polo club uh, in the world. I, um, you know, didn't really have the credentials to do it, but I, I knew I had the confidence that I could. So I went through the process, got the RFP. And at that point, I was like, well, now what am I going to do? I've got to, you know, produce all these events there on a, you know, mm -hmm. 500 to 1,000 people, multiple events a week. And that's when I reached out and recruited Julie. Um, I used to be with the catering company that was at the International Polo Club. And then when they lost the contract to this guy, I lost my job. So I was out looking for a new job and happened to come across this guy who then interviewed me and hired me. So we, um, and we worked together. 
for about a year. Um, and Julie didn't tell, and you know, didn't tell me about this, but she was like, this is crazy. We're working like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This guy never leaves the office. Like I'm going to do this year and I'm going to leave. And then and he uh, was not the warm and fuzzy guy you see now. <laughs> not at all. It was very difficult working with him at that time. So it was very stressful. It was a, it was a big contract and we were just kind of figuring it out as we went along too, because we were actually a small, small group producing big things. You know, but all in all, it worked out well because we uh, we ended up falling in love and, uh, and getting married, right? And then and that was many years ago. That was back in, you know, 2000 and, uh, 2008. I feel so. like you just described the plot of like a very interesting novel that I would love to read. <laughs> <laughs> the setting of Wellington and just like the chaos of catering and falling in love. That all sounds like incredible. What a, what a unique story. Yeah, I mean, it could have gone either way. It would, yeah. it would have been a murder mystery or like a love comedy kind of uh, genre. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, yeah. like you were saying, you, your team was small, but you were doing big work, right? Like taking on huge projects and huge clientele. How did you gain recognition for your catering companies, like creativity and, and quality? And like, what were some, some of the turning points that made that business stand out in a competitive industry? That's a great question. So we ended up starting this event called Sunday Brunch and Polo that turned into 700 people coming out every single Sunday. And we did all kinds of really fun, creative things. Like we had 80 different items on the buffet every single week. We had five different unique action stations and we would do everything from a water buffet where it would be boats going by, where you would get your food off of a little boat that would go by in this huge river. And the chefs would all be making these little tapas dishes we created a bubbly called Airstream Lounge. It was completely tricked out. You know, it would be like a VIP experience and they would get to have a bottle of Bubbly Co on their table. So we did things like that. Uh, we took a, we imported a double-decker British bus, cut the top off and put it on a hydraulic. So it went up and down and we brought in a casino as a sponsor on that, uh, the Seminole Hard Rock Casino. And they came in and we did a whole VIP area around the whole British theme. So we had a lot of fun with it. And we had you know, for the 700 people that came out every week, it was sold out every week. That gave us a real entree into and gave us a name for ourselves where we were able to get, uh, be able to do events for everybody from Bill Gates to Prince Bruce Harry to, yeah, Bruce Springsteen. And remind me, what year was this going on from like when you started the catering business to seeing the growth and hosting these large scale events? 2004, I started the company and then- 2007 in, is when you like, started the contract there. Yeah, mm, so okay. 2007. So it was really three years and we scaled up from, you know, half a dozen staff to having- A couple hundred. Yeah, a couple mm -hmm. hundred staff. Fast forwarding to 2020 when the pandemic hit, your business, like so many others, had to pivot and adapt. So can you walk me through the challenges you faced and how that period led you to rethink your business model? We pivoted really quickly. We knew as soon as the uh, pandemic hit that people weren't going to be going to restaurants. We also had a um, surfing hotel in uh, Nicaragua, in San Juan del Sur, and all that business stopped there as well. So we knew we had to pivot quickly to kind of keep everybody paid and pay all the bills. And we knew that people were going to be sitting at home and ordering food. We knew within our own catering company that cheese and charcuterie was the fastest growing trend. Every single event that we did, people were ordering grazing boards and cheese and charcuterie of some sort that was involved in the menus. And we talked to our suppliers and they couldn't keep uh, the artisan cheeses and 
specialty charcuteries on the shelf. So we knew that that segment was just growing huge. And then we found out that nobody was actually shipping ready to eat cheese and charcuterie boards. They were shipping uh, gift baskets with chunks of cheese and chunks of meat that you have to cut up and arrange yourself. So we thought, well, let's set that out to be able to create the first ever cheese and charcuterie board, handmade, made fresh, same day that we ship anywhere in the country. It seems like teaming up with your business partners, Rachel and Angel, was a pivotal moment in your journey. How did that partnership come about and, and shape the direction that you eventually took with Bordery? We started out by doing local delivery. And one of our uh, customers was Rachel. And so she's one of our uh, partners right now. We'd get on the phone and we'd talk about all these concepts and great ideas and how we were going to execute on them. She joined in. She said, well, look, I'm going to raise some money. Let's get the capital that we need to really take this big. One very important key factor is we had one of our co-COO right now is a uh, sommelier. He worked in um, uh, Michelin star restaurants in Italy. His family had a restaurant there for many, many years. And he worked at our catering company as a manager for 10 years. So, And he's also uh, trained as an engineer. So he came in and did the whole design of the, of the facility. So then it was the four of us that were kind of wearing a lot of different hats and figuring this thing out. So once the four of you came together, what was like the first proof of concept moment that gave you a push to keep pursuing your vision? We got our first shipping contract with a company named Goldbelly under our first brand that's called Cheese Border. We signed up with them and started shipping October 15th. And by December, we received a call from them saying, you just received our the largest check that has ever been issued to one of our vendors since our inception. So Cheese Border is exclusive there. And we created a second brand, brand called Bordery. And Bordery is where we sell in other places like Williams Sonoma, Neiman Marcus, and on our own website, where which is you know the majority of our of our sales. You mentioned that you are a partner and co-COO Angel played a key role in setting up your facility for success. Can you walk me through what your facility and production operations look like today? You know, we quickly, uh, that first December, we outgrew that first facility. We took the money that we raised and we built out a new state-of-the-art 15,000 square foot facility not far from there. And that's where we're housed right now. And we're building out another 15,000 square feet because we're totally out of space. We do about a thousand boards a day. Everything's handmade. And uh, in Thanksgiving to December, we do about 3,000 a day. And because you're dealing with handmade food products, what health and safety measures do you have to put in place at your facility? It's an SQF facility. So it's the voluntary designation, which is the highest level of food safety certification in the industry. Any pallet of food that comes in, we put a unique barcode on it so we can scan it from the batch that went into a board to the end user. So in case there's any of the product recalls, we can do that. You know, we have stringent food safety protocols that are in place from bacteria swabbing many times a day. It's like a laboratory. You know, mm -hmm. you go in there, we have to sign in anybody that comes in the facility. They have to wear a full protective gear. So everything's super sanitary, but we stay true to our artisan roots, meaning that we're not automating processes that make it artisan. Our large board is our Arte. It has 37 ingredients in it. One of those might be cut into four pieces, and that's somebody's doing that by hand. And they're arranging it by hand. So there could be a hundred different hand movements on one uh, single board. And I think that's such a great aspect of the business too, is that every board is truly unique, right? Because it is handmade and there are so many customizable options people can do like celebrating a birthday or anniversary. I've seen 
you know, cheese cut into different numbers, which I think is really cool. I know you do overnight nationwide shipping, so I'm curious about what the process looks like to ensure that all your boards are arriving fresh and ready to display and eat. Our team comes in at 3 a.m. in the morning, every morning, and they hand cut the cheeses, the meats, build the boards that, that morning, and then we package in the afternoon. FedEx or UPS will pick up later in the afternoon, and then it's we use ship with the highest level of shipping. So FedEx is priority overnight, and UPS is next day air. And after much testing, we found the best uh, custom insulated liners that fit perfectly into our boxes. And we wanted to make sure, too, we went through so many different options and companies and we wanted to make sure that they were um, recyclable. We tested many different ice packs as well to see what's going to keep the longest um, and decided on these ones that are actually uh, drain safe. So you can actually, when you're done with it, you can cut it open, drain, pour it down the drain and it's all biodegradable. Um, biodegradable thank you. And then also the we uh, shrink wrap each tray and then shrink wrap the entire board so everything stays together and doesn't arrive looking like a salad. Our first board that we shipped to one of our favorite catering clients, she she received the board and she was like, she called us up. She's like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is so amazing. And then she sent a picture of it and we were like, oh my gosh, it looks like a huge salad. But she was so impressed with it and it gave us you know, a lot of ideas on different things to try and what else we could work with, but a lot of, a lot of testing and trial and error, but yeah. the, and we have found that our insulated liners will sometimes actually keep the, the board at the right temperature for, I mean, it's been sometimes four or five days because wow. UPS and FedEx, you know, they have delays. It happens, yeah. unfortunately, especially when there's a hurricane. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And so speaking of like all that trial and error, you know, hearing the feedback from your customers, what have been the biggest learning lessons during that initial phase of growing bordery that you think listeners would benefit from hearing? The biggest lesson for us was our initial approach for marketing and spreading the, the word about our company was our concept was let's partner up with big companies that already have an audience. That's why we had these contracts with William Sonoma and uh, Goldbelly and DoorDash's nationwide shipping platform and Costco.com. And they're all fantastic and they love our product and it sells really well on there. But the only problem with that is that they also have thousands of other products. What we learned was nobody's going to market for you like you're going to market, or they're not going to put the money behind it. They're not going to um, put the creativity to behind it. So we really doubled down in the past year. Most of our advertising is, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and that's gone from being really nervous about putting $500 towards mm -hmm. to having $30,000, $40,000 advertising days, which then generate six figures of sales in a day. Wow, that's great. Well, your journey took an even more exciting turn when you appeared on Shark Tank and secured a deal with Lori Grenier. What was your experience like on the show and how did it impact Bordery's growth? It was amazing. I mean, we lived on a farm with like mm -hmm. chickens and courses. And we literally bet our farm on this. We took a second mortgage on everything, SBA loans, used every available ounce of credit and savings that we had and just, you know, rolled the dice on this. We've watched it enough and we're big fans that we knew that you really had to go on prepared. So Rachel and I went on and everything's reality TV. There's 
nothing that's rehearsed except for your initial pitch. They want to make sure that America understands it. So you kind of do that for them. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. And then the rest of it, they don't know what they're looking at. So those doors open and you walk out there, you don't know what they're going to ask. And it was just fun. But the impact of that was huge. I mean, that day that it aired, and they don't give you a lot of notice, a few days before, hey, by the way, you're going to be on national television. That night, we did $100,000 in sales. And the subsequent five weeks, we did $5 million in sales. And our projections that we gave them on the show for our entire year was only $4 million. At the same time, the same month, we made Oprah's favorite things. So that was kind of like a double whammy. Yeah. That was great mm -hmm. PR. That's incredible. And Julie, what was it like for you to watch and cheer along when the episode aired? When they did tell us that it was going to air, we actually had a big, um, a big gathering here at our facility. And I think we invited like 60 people. We actually ended up with 300 people once we told them what was going on. So, and it was a lot of the people were previous clients of ours and just people that have really been supportive of us through the years, which was, it was a really great feeling. And then just everybody was just rooting and cheering and they did an amazing job. That's awesome. And, and, and Lori's been a great partner. I mean, she's uh, she's been there like anytime we, we text all the time and talk and she loves uh, mm -hmm. cheese and charcuterie, which we didn't know. So she's got opinions on everything and she's been, mar she's marketed hundreds of products. So she really has a, a good pulse on what America wants. That's amazing. And can you run me through what your team looks like today and whether you have any plans to scale it? We have to hold back on even scaling more because we are running out of space at our facility. We have uh, 50 full-time staff. When we hit December, uh, we have 160 full-time staff from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And we have to cap it off at 3,000 orders a day because there's, no uh, there's no more space. We're investing in human resources and expanding the facility and our people. We bring in clients from the Arc of Palm Beach County, uh, an organization that provides support services for 3,200 families with developmental disabilities. They do tasks like loading trucks and taping boxes. Th that kind of thing builds a culture of we care about you. We care about the community that we're in. We care about each other. And it's an important value to us. I love it. That's great. So I am a huge cheese lover and I will never pass up on some charcuterie. So I'd love to know what goes into the actual designing of your boards and the selection of ingredients. Everything's purchased online. So when we pick cheeses, it's the number one thing that we look for is taste. The number two thing is it's got to have an interesting look. From a business standpoint, we look at food cost and food waste. If it's an odd shape that you can't get the sizes out of it, then it's not a contender. It might be delicious. It might look really cool. But if there's 25% of it is waste, then we're not going to use it. We're always getting new ingredients. We go to the fancy food show. We were just, uh, we just went over to Holland to go source cheeses. Like we're looking everywhere for the unique, the most delicious, unique stuff that you're just not going to find. When someone gets aboard, they probably don't realize all the work and thought that went into it and the planning and, you know, the trial and error. So that's, that's great to hear. And then yeah. also as we grow and we're busier and busier, we have to make sure that the producer can keep up with us. We've actually gone through a few different options that they just, they, they were like, this is it. I can't make any more for you guys. And it's just, it's not enough. So we're finding that is happening a lot more and more now, which is a good problem but it adds another, a new element, a new mm -hmm. challenge for us. 
You not only run a business together, but you're also partners in life. So I'm curious how, if at all, you're able to maintain some semblance of a work-life balance and what that's like for you. Honestly, to have a work-life balance when you're building a business that's scaling rapidly is next to impossible. There's not really a balance, but it helps having some, doing it with someone else. Like I couldn't imagine uh, not, not doing it with Julie and having somebody to you know commiserate with and to discuss these things, to put things in perspective. I would feel very alone if I were doing this uh, by myself. So it's comforting to have someone who you love and that you care about and you know that loves you and cares about you um, helping you make these major decisions. This is all we've known is kind of working together, being together. And, you know, well, I guess that makes sense. But, and then whenever we can, we do try and travel. So, but even then when we're traveling, we're still working because we're still looking for new ideas and new concepts. And, you know, so it's always, it's always building the business and doing it together. Nice. I love that power couple energy. And as you think ahead, what excites you the most about your journey to continue growing Bordery? We want to be an iconic brand like Edible Arrangements is. We've seen huge um, response to our things like our birthday boards. So we just launched our birthday boards where it's customizable. So nobody else is doing custom things in the industry. So we're doing, if it's a birthday that you want to send it to someone, we're going to put their age made out of cheese. That'll be, if it's their 30th birthday, it'll have that on it. It comes with candles and colorful confetti. And for all, and that's uh, like 25% of our sales now. People love it. So we're doing more things like that. We're going to be coming out with our engagement uh, board, which you can do the letters uh, of the engaged couple uh, for every single holiday, which we're getting great responses to. We do cheese cutouts of, you know, American flags or gingerbread men or, you know, and we put specialty cheeses with those kinds of flavors in them. And so that's kind of the uh, the direction that we're that we're going in. We do a lot of corporate gifting as well, which we uh, we can actually add corporate logo engraving onto the boards. Um, and also, if it's kind of a simpler logo, we've actually we can create a cheese cutout um, of their logo. We do that with a couple couple different companies. Has yeah. there ever been like a particular order that you were super proud to create or produce, like for a certain company or person or event? The first one would be, which we didn't even know it at the time, but we were packaging up, and this was in our first facility, and we we're packaging up all of our boxes, and somebody goes oh my gosh, this is going to Oprah Winfrey. And so we all bundled around it and took pictures of it and then took the board out and upgraded it and then packaged it back up. So to me, that was our, our first exciting board that we shipped out. Wow, how exciting. Well, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs? If you're doing something innovative that nobody else has done before, don't wait till you feel you're 100% prepared to do it because you're never going to be, your first product is never going to be the 2.0 version, you know, it, but it's going to get there. If you wait, you're, you're never going to do it. So when you're doing something brand new, you have to just jump in and do it. Great advice. Thank you both so much for joining me. And before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with Bordery online and on social media? Just bordery.com is our website. Our Facebook and, and uh, Instagram is bordery on both of those. 
Thank you to Erin and Julie for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review wherever you're listening and join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats.